if you have a Bible or if you have a phone that can look up Bible verses, or um, like, like I said, th this may be one you've heard so many times you don't even need to look at it. So um, that's what we're going to be doing. So I think that's pretty much all I've got. So on, on the announcements, not like church is over or whatever. But um, all right, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Psalms, uh, number 23. So what we're doing with the series is we've been looking at different concepts that kind of pertain to like there, there are a lot of times when you go to a church, there are these assumptions that the, the pastor or the sermon or whatever is, is going to give you kind of like a here's the topic. And in the next 30 minutes, we're going to settle all the questions about the topic. The topic will be uh, fully discussed, dissected and dealt with. And you'll walk out of here with a with a fully comprehensive understanding of whatever the topic is. And what we often miss, I think, in those settings is quite often there is there's a lot more to discuss and there's a lot more that we don't know and that we don't understand. And I, for the longest time, I've uh, kind of tried to avoid those topics, not, not because like I don't think that they're important, but because I just, it, it's hard to talk about something that's sort of, you, you kind of have to leave with a loose end. And, and so it, the, what we decided to do was, let's just do a series about the things that are difficult to discuss, that, or that I find difficult to discuss at least. So we talked about prayer a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we just dove, dove right into the deep end and talked about the Holy Spirit. And uh, this week, we're, we're going to talk about the soul. And uh, this is one of those concepts that, that we don't fully understand, but I think we all have a general understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about the soul. I think if I were to just say like the word soul, I think we all have a general idea. Like there's a Pixar movie. Uh, there's, you know, there, there's a, a, just sort of like a general notion of uh, what, what, we, what we mean when we talk about soul. I think we often, depending on how you grew up and depending on like what, what concepts you were handed as a kid or, or when you were older, but you were still sort of like absorbing like theological ideas. I think we often think of the soul as like this disembodied part of ourselves. Like it's the part that goes someplace else when you die, or it's the part that like you have your body, but then you have your soul. And there, there are these two different things that are each like part of you, but like, like, or the soul is the part of you that becomes a ghost or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of us have like th this notion of like the disembodied self as the soul. But in reality, I would argue the soul is what makes you who you are. There's an inner self that we all possess. This is the you that exists when all the other outer layers are peeled away. This is the you that, 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 that remains you when, when everything else becomes like really, really difficult to talk about. So um, I don't know about you, but the past couple of years, and I feel like I've been pretty upfront about this, but uh, maybe a little bit too much so, but I think that the, the last couple of years have been really difficult on my soul. Um, my, I, I feel like my soul, my, my inner self, the part of me that is me, has, um, has really struggled in, in the past couple of years. I've talked a, a lot, I think, about my own struggles with clinical depression and anxiety and just all the mental health questions surrounding that. Um, during the, the midst of the pandemic when we were remote, there was always the question of, like, will we ever get to go back to, will we ever, you know, be able to come back and be in this space again together? Like, is... Um, th there, there was a lot of uncertainty around the church, which created a lot of disruption in my soul. I feel like my, my soul has been in a perpetual state of unrest. Like th there, there's a part of me that feels like things are not okay. And like, I don't quite know exactly how to articulate that or how to pinpoint that, but it's just sort of, that's, that's been the state of my soul. And that's not the disembodied part of myself. That's the part of myself that I carry with me everywhere I go. That is the me that exists when all the other layers are peeled away. So 
we're looking at Psalm 23. And you've probably heard Psalm 23 if you've been to a funeral or if you've seen movies uh, where people go to funerals. Um, this this uh, passage gets used a lot. So we're going to take a look at that, this and, and see what's going on here. So uh, Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So one of the things that's going on in this passage is the writer talks about how, like, one, one of the things that God does is refresh the soul. So if you were to describe your soul, and he, and he connects it to the notion of water. There, he takes the image of water. He talks about quiet water or still water, and he connects it with soul. And so if you were to describe your soul right now, not unlike how this, this writer is doing, would you, if you were going to use it to, like, if you were going to use the image of water to describe the state of your soul right now, would you say that the waters are quiet, or would you say that the waters are troubled? Like, like I said, like for the past couple of years, at least the last year and a half or so, the waters in my soul have been pretty choppy. It's, it's been, there's been a lot of trouble on the water. Um, and so the psalmist takes this image of water and he connects it with the image of soul. So the poet seems to be saying that God wants to take troubled water and turn it into quiet or still water. So maybe the question becomes, as we read this, Maybe the question becomes, how many of us need a bit of that right now? How many of us, for, how many of us the water is quite choppy? And how many of us, like, yeah, we could really go for some quiet water in our soul right now? Um, and so there's a couple of words here that I think uh, can be useful in the discussion about this. And one of, the, one of the words is where he talks about he refreshes or restores my soul. Um, the Hebrew word here is the word shuv. This word shuv is, uh, it, it's the root of a word that often gets translated as return. And in fact, uh, often, if you ever see the word repent in, in the Bible, in, in Hebrew, the word repent is not feel really bad about something. The word repent literally means to return. And the, the word for repent in Hebrew is the word to shuv. Uh. So it's this, this word, shuv, is the root, and it connects, it, it's connected to the notion of return or restore or to make or, or to take something and make it what it was originally meant to be. So that's shuv. So we have a God who wants to return or restore your soul. And the word soul here is the word nefesh. And nefesh in Hebrew is it, uh, it's the word soul, but it's also the root of the word to breathe. So like we talked about last week with spirit and how the word spirit and the word breath are often in, in lots of different languages the same word. Here we have the word soul that's also connected to the word breathe. So we have like we're still kind of swimming in the same kind of pond here with, with notion of soul and spirit and breath. So the idea here is breath is, is not a disembodied thing. Breath is the thing that goes in and out of your body that keeps you alive. So soul and breath in, in the Hebrew mind are connected. There is this thing that keeps you living. It's the soul, it's the nefesh, it's the thing that gives you life. So you could restate what the poet is saying here in several different ways. You could say God restores my soul. You could say God refreshes my life. Another one, which I, the one translation that I love of this is God revives my humanity. 
Because one of the things that troubled water can do quite often is it, it can make us feel less human. The, the thing about troubled water, the thing about a, a soul that is at unrest is it can be very dehumanizing. It can make us feel less of who we were meant to be. It can, um, if you've ever struggled with something, if, you, if you've ever gone through a time when, um, in, in fact, a, a thing I found myself saying in, in the last year and a half um, in, in my lower moments is, I just feel like I need a win. You know what I mean? Like th just that feeling of, I just feel like, it like something has to go right at some point. There just has to be something good that, um, that makes me feel like we're still going, that things are still okay, and just in, in general. Um, and so one of the things that that does is it makes us feel like less human. It makes us feel like we're just struggling or drowning. It, 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 it makes us, it, it, can, um, it can make us feel like we're losing our dignity almost in a certain kind of way when we feel just like we're pleading for something good to happen. Um, if, some, something, um, if, if something happens to you, if you lose your job, if, if some, some tragedy befalls you, uh, one thing that it, it happens to you individually, but it's also easy to feel like, well, now I'm a statistic. Like th this happened to me, but it's ha also happened to lots of other people. And you can't feel like a, a statistic and also feel fully human and feel fully yourself. Or you, you become like a cautionary tale, like something happens to you or you, do, or you make a choice and that choice leads to things that you didn't intend and then other people begin talking and telling st the story about you, but that story about you is like, don't let this happen to you. You know what I mean? And so what that can do is it can make us feel less human. You're not, you're not a person anymore, you're a cautionary tale, you're a statistic, you're, you're, uh, your, your dignity has sort of taken a hit. And so what ends up happening is the water becomes quite troubled and your nefesh becomes deeply wounded and it becomes this thing of um, like who, who even am I in, anymore with, with things being the way that they are. So when we're talking about reviving, shoving the nefesh, reviving the soul, we're talking about God restores the dignity and honor of what it means to be human. If you've ever felt like your, your humanity is slipping away, like you're becoming less and less yourself. This, this poet is saying one of the things that this God does is makes me feel more human and more alive than, than, I, am, or than, than I felt before. For the psalmist, for the poet, the insides seem to be inextricably, inextricably connected to the outsides. It's about the soul, but it's also about breath, which, keeps us, which is the thing that keeps us alive. So another way of translating the psalm would be God gives life to all of me, not just the part of me that is disembodied, but all of me, the part that is woven into who I am. We can't, we can't separate one part of ourselves from the other. The whole thing is integrated. So the soul is the you that you are. And so this, one of the things that the, the psalmist is saying is God gives life to all of me. When your soul is troubled, when the waters feel choppy, it owns you. It, it, it bleeds into every part of your life. And it becomes one of those things like, yeah, the waters feel like I feel completely at a, a, in a state of un, like perpetual unrest and I don't like it. So I realize it, it's difficult to be like, okay, now here are some things to do, but there are some things that I, I, find, I have found helpful or um, in, in moments where my soul feels at unrest. And so I wanted to share those things with you. Um, and not that the, these things are always like easy and s sometimes actually these things are very, very difficult for me. But these are things that 
um, that I think are helpful. So um, one, one thing that we can do when we need our soul refreshed is to understand that this moment is not all moments. And that's really hard to, to internalize, especially since like we, we, are, we are in a state, uh, we are in a place right now where things have been going on for a long time and people have been suffering for a long time. Uh, we're um, in our third school year of um, living in some sort of awareness of this pandemic. And that is, it, it feels like just things are just gonna keep going this way. Um, but the thing to remember is this moment is not all moments. And it, it gets easy to universalize our pain and our struggle. It gets easy to assume that it's always gonna feel the way that it feels or that nothing good is ever gonna happen again. And I think one of the things that, that happens when our soul is revived is, is just be, we're, we are reminded. I think, I, I think one, of the, one of the things that the God of the psalmist does is, is to lean in and whisper, it's not always gonna be this way. One of the things that causes deep despair is the belief that tomorrow is gonna be just as bad as today was. Or that, that yesterday, today, and tomorrow are all sort of just a continuation of the same thing and then nothing good can ever happen again. Um, that, that all the good parts of our story have been told. And so um, one of the things that revives our soul is our ability to hope, our ability to, to think like, well, maybe, maybe it's not always gonna be this way. Maybe we can dream still. Maybe we can still have new ideas and new experiences. Um, so this moment, as hard as it is to believe sometimes, this moment is not all moments. So that's one thing. The second thing that restores our soul is stillness. I have a hard time with this. Stillness is a struggle for me. And b what can happen is we panic. Things, things begin to, um, to go the way that we, we hope they won't go. The water begins to get choppy and we panic. We feel like we're drowning and we start making really bad choices because we feel like we have to do something. There's an expression uh, called going on tilt. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's, it, it comes from the world of poker. I don't play poker. Um, I don't like have a moral objection to it. I'm just really bad at it. Um, but it comes from the world of poker. And, and the going on tilt basically is in, in a game of poker or in a, uh, what, what, what will happen is you'll have a player who starts losing and that player will begin to make really, really reckless bets and will continue to like like play, the, the player will, will start going, like playing worse and worse and worse the more they begin to lose because they, they're panicked. And, um, and, and that's called going on tilt. And so social psychologists have taken this, this notion and have taken it and universalized it and said this is what people do. When, when people get into a negative situation, what will, what will often happen is they will double and triple down on, the, on like making bad choices just because they feel like, well, I have to do something. I can't just like sit here and be still. But one of the things that restores our soul quite often is we do stop, take a breath, say a prayer, go for a walk, take a shower, do a grounding exercise. One of the things that I, I try and do, um, I, one of the things I've learned in the last year and a half is that I am prone to suffering from panic attacks. And one of the things that can um, mitigate a panic attack is a grounding exercise. And so like that means finding, basically looking around the room, or one, one of the grounding exercises that I found helpful is like looking around the room and naming like five things that you can see, or four things that you can touch, three things that you can hear. Um, basically using all of your senses to remind you that you are in this place and not in some future place where everything is on fire. You know what I mean? So a grounding exercise is a good way of reminding us that whatever's going on now, that's what's going on now. And that you don't, like, you don't have to live in some sort of abstract future where everything is like terrible and all the things are just 
flailing and out of control, you can actually remind yourself, like, no, 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 I'm here. I'm still. I'm, I, I, am, I am safe in this moment. Um, there's a, a mantra, a question that I, I've, I, somebody gave me one time that I've, I found helpful, which is the question of what in this moment is lacking. I use this a lot um, when I'm spiraling because what, what this does is it reminds me of, like, yeah, so like, maybe there are things out in the future that I'm afraid of, but what in this moment is lacking? Where, where am I right now? Well, if, if I were to do this right now, I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm at Collective Church, and I'm with people that I care about and that I like, that, and I feel safe in this, and th th this is a safe, okay space for me. Like, the world is not on fire right now at this moment. And you might, and you, you could even answer the question of like, well, tomorrow I've got like this presentation I have to do. I have to go into this uh, new department that I'm not familiar with. I have to um, like, uh, like tax returns, blah, 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 you know, or whatever. Um, and so it's easy to sort of get caught up on like what, what, what will happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday. But the question of what in this moment is lacking, quite often the answer is nothing. Like I, I'm, I'm okay right now at this moment. It's hard. It, it's these are these are not easy things to do. But what they do is they remind us that we can practice stillness and we can be where we are. So um, that is that is one way I believe that God can give us give our sh uh, give shuv to our nefesh can restore our souls in some sort of way. And then another thing is to care for yourself. Um, one of the things that happens when when the waters get rough is we stop taking care of ourselves. We, start, we stop sleeping, um, we stop eating well, we isolate ourselves. Um, and I'm speaking, uh, I'm talking about myself as much as I'm talking about anybody. Um, but, you know, sleep, talk to somebody. Again, go for a walk, do a grounding exercise. Um, do, do something that is good for your mental health. And, um, and, and perhaps that will, that will help you find rest for your soul. That's difficult, it's really, really hard to do these things. But this is the invitation of the psalmist. The poet is saying, um, God gives shuv to my nefesh. God gives rest to my soul. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28. Um, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Notice Jesus doesn't say, come to me all you who are weary, and then when you die, your soul will go someplace else. He says, you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened. For Jesus, the soul is not some disembodied thing that we have to worry about later. Our soul is the part of you that, that makes, a, makes you you. And so Jesus says, you will find rest for your nefesh. You will find some sort of rest for your soul, that our soul is a thing that we need to tend to now. So what are we talking about when we talk about our soul? In one sense, I don't fully understand the notion of soul. This is one of those things. It, it, it feels really like big and kind of in unta like not tangible in any sort of um, concrete way. But at the same time, when Jesus or the psalmist talks about our souls, it, it's not in terms of like something that goes someplace else when you die. It is. It's a thing that is you. It's a, it's part of you. It, it 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 is the you that that is you when all the other layers are peeled away. So may you find rest for your nefesh. May you find that your soul is the part of you that needs to be cared for as much as any other thing in, in your life. So um, may we find rest for our souls. May we find stillness. May we find comfort. Um, may we find that the waters can be a little quieter, even in this moment right now. Let me pray for us. God, we pray for... Uh,
rest for our souls. For those of us who came in here when the waters are choppy, may we find grace, may we find peace, may we find some sort of rest for our souls. May we breathe deeply, may we practice stillness, may we interact with our souls as if they are things that need to be cared for, as if they are, they are who we are. May we come to you who are, when we are weary and burdened and heavy laden. May we find rest for our weary souls. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. All right.